The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. This is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. The first anniversary show Looking back at a year of interviews, discoveries, and wonderful stories of how people connect with each other and to their own authentic selves. Our show is presented by Dating Kinky. And here now is your special guest host, the award-winning author of Edge Play, and former show guest, Jane Boone. Hi, Jane Boone. <gasps> Hello there, Nookie. But most importantly, hi there, John, or as you're also known as, Katsu. Hi there, Jane. And it's very strange to be sitting on this side of the microphone, although it's the exact same microphone I use to host the show. But Well, you know, it feels fitting to turn the tables on you this week. Um, I've been a guest on the show uh, with Tara Indiana at the time of the U.S. election when we mixed it up about U.S. politics. But to be honest, I'm a little bit switchy. So I like having the opportunity to like interrogate the interviewer. And besides, you're awfully interesting as a subject. You're not just the guy behind the mic. You're more than just an interviewer to me, John. Hmm. You're a whole lot more. And today we're doing something quite special, which is we're gonna celebrate the first anniversary of your podcast. And I was looking at your listenership numbers and you have built this into something very substantial. You're in the top tier of podcasts already after only a year. And I suspect that with that success has gone a lot of learning. And I want to know what you've learned this past year, what's been surprising to you, and a little bit more about the guy behind the microphone. But first, I'm going to borrow your format, which is the five firsts. And the first first is what was the first time you blushed? What was happening? I think the first time I blushed was back when I was a little kid. And if you're talking about during the show, I'll get into that too. But the first time I ever blushed was when I was a little kid and I was really curious about uh, someone who was spending the night mm -hmm. of the of the she was a little girl and I was about maybe six or seven years old oh you just I bet you were adorable too and, and I bet she was so cute she was very cute and she accidentally left her door open <gasps> so I saw what a girl looks like and I blushed <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that would be the so, first time I ever blushed. That's so innocent. And then I, I think we're going to have to cycle back to find out if there's something that made you blush on the show. But let's move on a little okay. bit further. The first time you saw a cat suit, what was happening? First time I ever saw an actual cat suit was on Pat Benatar. Ooh. I had developed this affinity for the Batman series. So obviously Batgirl, that's technically oh, yeah. a cat suit. And so is Catwoman. But the first time I ever saw a cat suit, like a Lycra cat suit, the ones that I've fallen in love with was on Pat Benatar. 
And so I say that Catwoman and Batgirl got me into the fetish. But Benatar definitely cemented my fetish because she used to wear leotards and tights or cat suits in all her concerts. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Because even though she was only four foot 11, she was 10 feet tall in, in that well, outfit. She was ferocious as a performer. I mean, the stage presence of that woman and the way she practically snarled as she sang, I bet she launched a lot of fantasies in young men and women. She was so powerful and showed that you can be a badass chick. And I think she was probably the first that I ever said uh, the comment that I make so many times, which is badass is the new beautiful. She <laughs> epitomized what it was like to be sultry, sexy, and oh, so confident. And what about your first cat suit? What was it like? My first cat suit came from a company called Noel Nielsen Software, which was promoted by a company called Harmony Communications. Harmony Communications was a company that did uh, bondage magazines, but they right. called it Love Bondage. Right, the soft stuff, the sort of right. the romantic, you know, everybody's happy to be in the room. Right. And their philosophy which I have actually read in therapy sessions to explain what bondage originally meant to me was so important in my life because it was about feeling good. And for my particular case, feeling good in a second skin. And if I was tied up all the better, but the Noel Nielsen cat suit was the first ever Zentai that I ever remember that had the hood, the feet, and the gloves, except they were basically just elongated, uh, elongated legs and arms. And yeah, like little up flippers. Right. Little flippers. <laughs> right. And I remember doing a self bondage scene and almost getting caught in, in it uh, in the wrong way to the point where I was a little panicky about being in it. Oh no! But I loved that particular suit because it made me feel so good. And then the other one was a Danskin Pro, which was the same kind that Heather Locklear wore on the cover of a Shape magazine with leopard print on it and had oh. a front zip. And that thing was tighter than anything I've ever worn. And I loved it. So is it hard to get in and out of? I mean, cat suits are, are, are like a struggle. When it's spandex, it's not as hard. Uh, to get into. Now, I'm imagining that when I try on my first latex catsuit, that's going to be a little bit different. Latex is challenging. I just ordered a dress and Ooh. I had to like get my husband to zip up the back because, you know, latex is tight by design. Mm -hmm. And especially if the zipper is in a hard to reach place, you're stuck. Mm -hmm. And the fun part is sometimes you're stuck with it on too. Oh, oh the horror. <laughs> Oh, the horror. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you um, have this passion for cat suits because I had a lovely exchange with Casey Carter, hmm. who was a guest on your show. And she had this to say about your conversation. I had a great time chatting with John. What I enjoyed most about my interview was what he shared of himself, specifically his cat suit. I wear a lot of cat suits and John knew this. 
Yes, he goes by catsuit, but he shared his with me because it's something we both have a love for. And that made it special to me. John is absolutely delightful and I'm honored to be included in this celebration. Oh, thank you, Casey. So you're not alone in this passion. Has, have people come up sort of know, now that you're like this magnet, this catsuit magnet? <laughs> I think people are attracted to, especially when I wear what I call my butter tights. And I have just ordered a full catsuit in what is uh, commercially known as satin spandex. Ooh. And it is the most smooth spandex you can ever feel. And it literally feels like butter. I feel like you're a connoisseur of cat suits. You have like the hierarchy of materials down, you know, the designs and the manufacturers. You should have an endorsement deal. I tried to, full disclosure, before I knew what it takes to get a sponsor, I reached out to Badinka and Hirogato to see if they might be a sponsor for the show. Of course, I had no listener numbers and nothing I could prove, but I said it would be a great idea. But what I wanted to do as part of that, and who knows if somebody is a great benefactor, I can figure out a way to do it. I wanted to get cat suits for my guests. We can all match you. Well, they don't Color have to match me, but, but at, least, uh, at least they could get a feeling of what I'm feeling. And whether oh. or not they were into cat suits or not, they could enjoy themselves a little bit. So you basically, you're a cat suit evangelist. I am a cat suit evangelist. And That's it all started with leotards and tights uh, back when, when I was a little kid and my mom used to do aerobics and suddenly I was very curious about those outfits. So are we blaming Jane Fonda really for this? I am blaming Batgirl and Catwoman. And the reason is, and I've told this story on the podcast before, that my parents never gave me the talk. So the first time I ever had an orgasm was while watching Batgirl and then Catwoman. I don't and think this was alone. about the first five or six times. And I didn't know what was happening to me. So it's, I, it basically got hardwired in. That's right. And so I haven't had a choice. <laughs> and Damn. because it stayed with me in such a cemented fashion, so to speak, I've never been able to get rid of the fetish. And, and why would you want to? Why would I want to is that every guy, especially when they're a teenager and growing up, wants to be normal. Yes. And I didn't think that it was normal. And I went through a lot of binges and purges in where I would have outfits and magazines and all that. And then I'd throw them all away and then I'd buy more and then I'd throw them all away because I would feel all guilty. And I go through these crying fits of why can't I be normal? And unfortunately, and this is sharing a lot with my audience, but I said to you that nothing was off the table and I'm going to also share it from my side of things. I think it broke me a little bit sexually. Oh. It's been very difficult to have a vanilla relationship, including my marriage, mm -hmm. which ended a couple of weeks ago yeah. after five years of separation. I, I think I sometimes wonder if fetishes are a double-edged sword. On the one yeah. hand, they can intensify and heighten pleasure, but, but if they're really specific and narrow, 
then then you're constrained in a way that can be unhelpful. I um, had a beautiful relationship with a woman in Cleveland. Nine months of the best times of my life. I mean, I was Cinderella. And she didn't quite get the catsuit thing. She tried. She was a little kinky herself. But we eventually broke up. And part of what I heard was that she felt bad that she couldn't do for me what I was able to do for her. That's tough. And I have had other people tell me that. Yeah. And so as I enter, here I am in year 58 of my life, or 59 is the case may be, because I just turned 58. And I wonder if I will ever be able to feel the sexual rush again without the fetish involved. And therefore, it really makes me scared that I will find a partner that will understand me enough to enjoy what I enjoy. So I've kind of been doing the casual dating thing or getting play partners. But I genuinely hope that someday before I'm unable to enjoy it, that I can find a partner that will have a love for what I love and be able to make it a part of their life and make it a very happy thing that we do as opposed to something that's work. Yeah, it's hard. And it's such a specific thing that, that, you know, I'm, I, I imagine a lot of women are willing to sort of like give it a shot, see what it's like. Mm -hmm. But um, it, I, it seems like it would be very hard for you to find somebody who would match your passion for um, this particular fetish, but who knows? I have found it twice. Once was in college, my college girlfriend, and why I didn't stay with her, I don't know. My college girlfriend totally got it. And then because we're young and stupid, that's why. <laughs> and we're like, you know, and, and we're ready to do something else. I mean, we, our whole lives are ahead of us. Of course, our college sweethearts, um, even if they're amazing people who like cat suits. Yeah. Um, do you know what happened to her? she became a very successful lawyer in Texas oh. and we broke up over the words. I don't need law school. I've got you. And I said, I can't be responsible for how you live your life. I will want you to go to law school. And she did. And it ended up being a <laughs> killer being a very successful lawyer. That's never been out of work a day in her life. Wow. Well, you know, I think, I think you did the right and the generous thing, but it, it, um, it must feel sort of weird looking back. Um, another first, first time you held a microphone. I mean, let's think about it. An interview is a form of power exchange, but you're usually clothed. Um, <laughs> What, are, what, what were you thinking that first time when you, when you popped your cherry as an interviewer? First time I ever held a microphone was when I was a little kid and I used to have a cassette tape recorder that my grandfather gave me and I used to pretend I was a radio DJ. Ah, were you um, any good? I think I was pretty good. I ended up working in college radio. I ran the sports department at the college I went to uh -huh. and that's... I knew what I wanted to do when I was nine years old. I wanted to be a sportscaster. And so everything I did led up to that. 
first time I ever had a microphone in front of a bunch of people was when I would do the PA at my high school's basketball games. And the funny thing about it is because I played varsity my senior year, I would do the freshman and JV game, but only do three quarters of the JV game because I had to go get dressed for the varsity game. Oh my <laughs> so they have this great announcer for three quarters of the game. Um, my, I have been on a microphone in front of 70,000 people. I've been in, on a microphone in front of and talking to in the middle of the arena, 17,000. And none of it intimidated me. It mm -hmm. was a beautiful, it's beautiful to be able to connect with people who are listening to you to the point where the last job I had, I was actually the public address announcer for uh, a soccer team uh, that is doing very well now. And I actually used to uh, greet the supporters group that had their own name. And I would say, hello, whatever their name was. And they go, hi, John. And that was my way of being able to connect with them. So I love being in front of a microphone. As far as interviewing is concerned, I've been interviewing all my life um, from, from coaches shows in, in basketball to some televised interviews. I had a couple of exclusive interviews. I have interviewed one-on-one -on -one Michael Jordan. And to me, that will always be the penultimate, inter or not the penultimate, the ultimate interview I've done. Michael fucking Jordan, yeah. yeah. And it was, it was post-game uh, in Seattle, and there was no one in the locker room. He was finishing up, and I asked him if I could do a sit-down, and we did a one-on-one -on -one there, probably about five minutes. And it was amazing. It was the year he came back from his, uh, it, he came back from his retirement. Cool. And so that was pretty cool. So the first time I ever held a microphone was pretending to be a DJ. And now I have a microphone in front of me interviewing people who I find so fascinating and people that I want to be able to support wholeheartedly. So we, we touched on the topic of connection, how it was a tool for you professionally. When did you realize, this is another first, that connection was the topic you wanted to pursue emotionally and as, as, a, as a, a podcast, for instance. I mean, this is really, um, every week you're talking about connection, how to do it, um, what are its components. When did the light bulb go off that it wasn't just a tool, it was a topic? The show began after I had been talking to Nookie about a, an article I'd written on FetLife called Dear Men About Those Unsolicited Dick Pics. <laughs> And that was the inspiration for the show. I said, Nookie, what do women want? Oh, wait a minute. That sounds like the title of something now, doesn't it? If and that's left. where the title came from. And the And Wonderful Humans is because it's not just about what women want. It's all gender inclusive, mm -hmm. even non-gender. And I was fascinated to know how you can connect with somebody on a deep level or simply connect with them to ask for a play date mm -hmm. or ask to be a friend. And after about the first 10 or 12 shows, I started noticing that the connection that was most fascinating to me 
was the connection that people had with their authentic selves. And through my interviewing them talking about how they connect with each other, people started talking about how they connect with their authentic selves. For instance, Christina Carter, talking to her as a human rather than a fetish model. Or I remember talking to a therapist named Andy who was on the show about connecting with the fact that they're gender fluid and some mornings they wake up feeling like a male. Sometimes they wake up feeling like a female. But there's no rhyme or reason to how it happens. And that connection to their authentic self and their heart really started to drive me into even better interviews with people. And I think the culmination of that, and yeah, we have a lot more to go, but the culmination of that was my interview with Hutsey Brooke. Right. Who I was introduced to when I did a seminar with Hutsey uh, on Dating Kinky during one of their first virtual events. And I instantly fell in love with Hutsey. Uh, Hutsey. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that I was head over heels in love with this amazing woman. Well, you know, Hutsey was moved by the conversation you two had as well. And she has a few comments to share about this anniversary. Hi there, Catsuit. John, it's Hudsey. What can I say? You were tenacious in getting me on the show. And once you did, I loved every minute of it. Thank you for peeling back all of my layers and allowing me to share for the first time my Sing Spank Scrub story. It was very cathartic and uh, I couldn't think of a better place to be that vulnerable and to feel as comfortable as I did. You are great at what you do. And of course, I'm not surprised you're already celebrating your one year anniversary for the podcast. It's an amazing show and I look forward to doing it again in the future. Congratulations, you deserve it. All the best, my friend. Wow, that's something. Um, she knows I think the world of her. Yeah. She and I connected in a way that she chose me to share the story that she did. Right. When, when you're interviewing somebody and, and they tell you something really profound that, that, that basically bowls you over, like, how do you stay upright? How do you, how do you keep your game face on? How do you keep that connection going when you encounter something so moving? I think I cried during that episode. I'm sure I cried during that episode. I keep my professionalism as much as I can, but I develop intense feelings for the person that I am interviewing on a very intimate level. Mm -hmm. Now, in this day and age, that can be taken in every negative connotation that there is. But when you talk to somebody on a very ultra personal level and you share intimate secrets that they didn't even know, and you mm -hmm. brought that out of them, you can't help but feeling that you form some sort of connection. Right. As, well, certainly, mm -hmm. certainly Devin Stone um, remarked upon that. I, I, I had a lovely exchange with him and he, he said this, um, I felt like John really wanted to showcase who I am as a person. 
He made me feel seen. More than what I do, John really got to the core of who I am. He reminded me that my story is important and I'm working on a few new projects because of our interview. So, so clearly, you know, there was that, that, that moment where you guys clicked. I'm wondering, is connection a skill you can learn? Is, is, are there tricks? Are there, are there any shortcuts that you've found this past year where you've thought about connection obsessively? When it comes to connection, it is the number one buzzword that I have had in my professional life. I call the productions that I used to do when I was a sports television producer, connective media. I always interviewed athletes, not about what their greatest moment was or how many points they score. I always talk to them about the emotion that goes into a game. Mm. My question wouldn't be to perhaps a volleyball player. When is the first time that you knew you were good in volleyball? My question would be, when did, you si when did you decide that volleyball would be your love and you were going to marry it? <laughs> Instead of just dating it seriously, you're like, you're right. committing. And let's face it, those sports people, they are married to their sport. And it becomes their soulmate. And a lot of times in this particular podcast, the work that these women and other wonderful humans do is their soul. Yes. Look at Lee Harrington. Lee Harrington is someone who has lived two amazing lives. One as the porn star, the other as an educator mm -hmm. in two different genders as well. Right. Right. And that is bit, that was an amazing journey. And Lee's going to be our uh, our first, actually tied with Kate Sloan, but our first ever repeat guest. Because I was so fascinated by Lee's story, I said, "I'm going to have you back." Well, another story that that I found really compelling is sort of a, a, a just just a like a gutsy broad. I, I adore Mistress Diamond Blue, but that woman has lived a life and she's this dominatrix in Montreal, but she's so much more than that. She's brave, she's fierce. And she had a few comments to say about your work together and the anniversary. So listen to this seductive voice. My time on the podcast with John really got me thinking about how, how that my story has relevance and importance and how that I know it touched John deeply and that's why he, you know, wanted to put me on the show because he felt that sharing this with other people, giving them insight, you know, as to life as somebody who was bipolar, or life as somebody who's lived through cancer, a dom who is now starting in her 50s. 
jaunt saw that as as something important and i you know in all honesty i never thought that my story was anything worth you know being noteworthy but it was thanks to john and his kindness and curiosity and wanting to get to know more about me and wanting to share my story that made me feel that my experience has some relevance and I was very touched by that and that was something that kind of lit a spark for me that if one person such as John who was so so deeply touched by what I had to say that perhaps this is something that I should pursue I think that, you know, especially during this time of the OnlyFans crackdown, people being shamed about being sex workers or being kinky, to have somebody like John put this all out on the line and make it more real and and just shine a light on you know what people are afraid of cuz there's really nothing to be afraid of being kinky we're all kinky in some way shape or form but you know john has been putting a human voice to it and i think now is the the perfect time for his podcast to you know start taking flight and like i said with John and the way he interviews people, I think it's a gentle way for people to be educated about the world of BDSM. Privately, Diamond Blue told me that it was a joy to be part of your broadcast. So she mm-hmm. had, you gave a lady a good time. What can I say? You know how to show <laughs> a lady a good time. Well, may I share something which yeah. uh, has not been aired yet? Because on my failed Patreon, <laughs> which I never really got off the ground, although I have to uh, give credit to Tanya and to Venus of the Venus Cuckoldress podcast, those two financially supported my podcast for a while, even though I wasn't able to get my Patreon off the ground. And I really appreciated them. As part of that Patreon, we were going to do this thing called five more minutes. And it was five more minutes that I was going to share uh, about something that we didn't talk about in the podcast. And Mistress Diamond Blue and I are both improvisers. We love getting up on stage and doing improv comedy. Well, we decided to play a game called 185, and the game goes like this. 185 blanks walk into a bar. Bartender says, we don't serve blanks, punchline. And the idea is you give a subject to be the blanks. Here's what happened when Mistress Diamond Blue gave me a suggestion. Let's see. Um, Cock cage. Cock cage. 185 cock cages walk into a bar. Bartender says, I'm sorry, we don't serve cock cages. And the cock cage says, well, do you serve Chasta tea? (laughs) 
she's she's pretty hysterical isn't she she well you know venus um must have been very happy about her time together on your show as well because the episode was one of your most listened to as it's happening do you know when an episode is of your podcast is landing and that the listeners are going to like jive to it and that it's going to resonate? It's strange because some of the ones that I think will resonate don't do as well as others. Some that I have no idea about do amazingly well. The episode with Venus was about cuckolding, of which I knew nothing about. But I bet you know more now. (laughs) I do know more now. I still know it's not for me, but I understand why people do it. And I think that it is an amazing lifestyle for those who are wired in that way. Right. I will never yuck another's yum. Compersion is is a kink that I find, well, not a kink, but it's a tendency I find fascinating. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know if it's for me either. I'm like, hmm. (laughs) But Venus... I was able to connect with in such an amazing way because we were two people who believed in the message that we were giving out so much. And she promoted the heck out of that episode. I promote the way I do, which I still need more help on. And if anybody wants to help me with promotion, I'm more than happy to take it. But we were able to connect with a subject that not only cuckolding people were interested in, but also kink people in general, because they were wondering, what is this all about? And who better to explain it than the person who has a weekly podcast about it? Right. I mean, she, she talks about it all the time. And she had a few words about her experience on your podcast. And I, I hope you enjoy them. John, it's your friend Venus Cuckoldress here. And first off, I want to give you a huge congratulations for your podcast celebrating its first anniversary. And I'm ecstatic that it's doing so well. And you know what? I'm not surprised. You've worked so hard on it. And the way that you interview guests is so wonderful. You make them feel really welcome and special. And you ask these questions that are just so interesting when I was on your show, I afterwards had some of my fans who contacted me and said they learned so much about me on that episode because you asked questions that were just really unexpected. And I love that about you. So keep being the fabulous, wonderful person that you are. Keep doing you. I really think that the sky is the limit with your podcast. So congratulations, my friend. I just think she's the best. She's so nice. And And I I really love being able to like learn from passionate people. Like for instance, cuckolding, that is, is not something I understand. It's not a, not a passion of mine. And I'm I'm sure my husband is happy about that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if you can sort of see a passion, see a fetish through the eyes of of a person who holds it, who, who has that, that, that desire, even if it's not delicious to you like oysters, I'll never love oysters, but um, I, I know that people love them and, um, you know, they talk about the texture, how central they are. And I kind of get it, even though I never want to eat them. Um, you know, it's, it's just sort of 
I think it heightens our, our understanding as, if you will, sexual epicures. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there were three episodes that I can remember that delved into a fetish that not everybody has, and that is latex. And when I talked with Vicky DeVica, who is one of the most well-known latex fetishists, because of her COVID journey into a grocery store in Canada, which became one of the most viral videos of 2020, including the Ellen Show and many, uh, many different news outlets all showed it. Vicky is someone who genuinely lives the ultimate life of a latex fetishist. She has decided to make that her life and she wants to help others understand how they can be their best shiny selves as she, she puts it. She's married latex. And she has a partner that is also into latex, talk about the perfect partnership, who also makes all her cat suits, which is amazing. You, you need to find yourself one of those. I do. And then, uh, then talking about Master Trinity, who is the fitness expert who is a latex fetishist. She inspired me to start working out again. Oh. And the way she inspired me was she talked about the fact that she does latex fitness classes. Oh she actually will, in a domination way, teach a latex fetish fitness class, but she also enjoys teaching and doing aerobics in her latex. I, I'm amazed because my experience with latex and I've, I've worn, mm -hmm. I've worn it once or twice mm -hmm. is you are never comfortable in latex. You're either too hot or too cold and you're always a sweaty mess when you take it off. Well, the thing that she and I bonded on was the fact that when you're wearing latex or in my case, spandex, every part of you is touched in a conscious and subconscious level. And she feels a certain power when she wears latex leggings and a latex uh, sports bra or a latex top. And she feels that power. What she did to inspire me, and you all can uh, live with this visual, and I'm sorry if you have to, but what she inspired me to do was get back into shape. I started doing step aerobics. I have an amazing teacher named Christina Dorner, cdornerfitness.com. What do you I, wear when you go to your step aerobics class? I wear leotards and tights just like they did back in the 80s. Nice. And the reason is twofold. Number one, it makes it fun for me. Yeah. Number two, the compression helps me. Right. And at the end of a workout, and it has been really hot here in Cincinnati lately, but at the end of the workout, I can look down at my leotard and see total sweat all the way through it. And I know I've worked out really well and it makes me feel good. How many people are in your fitness classes? Nobody sees me. And now I'm doing step aerobics at home. Oh, so it's and private. Okay. Yes, I was like picturing you in a little class with a yeah, few no, ladies. no all dressed like Jane Fonda. I have worn spandex in an aerobics class 
back in South Carolina when I was 18 years old. I had a unitard and I did wear it and the ladies went that sexy. And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> well, you know, and the thing is, sometimes you just got to take a little risk, you know, mm -hmm. and see what happens. And, and I think one of the great things about some of the, the sort of the more aesthetic fetishes, like you can, you can, you can try it on Halloween and see what happens. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, everything is possible on those days. And, um, and it's also a way of kind of, I don't want to say get your courage up, but to, to mm -hmm. come, kind of acclimatize yourself to, to the experience of being seen. Um, and Two years ago at Halloween, I actually, uh, Catsuit actually went out to a drag show with friends. Nice. And I had my cat suit on. I had uh, electric blue hair, which my friend, Dr. Mori Curiosity helped me with. And I wore a tuxedo jacket and a cat suit underneath. And actually, did I wear my boots that night? Yeah, I was going to say, I what, did. what kind of footwear goes with a cat suit? What's I that? think I wore knee high boots that had about a three inch heel on them. Woo! I do have six inch pumps, but I can't wear them on concrete. You're but really I got them tall for, I, though. I like, got them for seams. You're like a monster in your yes, bare I feet. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're like tower over everybody. You're like the guy whose head sticks up <laughs> over, over the crowd and in pumps, you'd be, a, well, you'd see everything. You're like the periscope. It has a double-edged sword and my daughter deals with it too, because my daughter's six foot three. Oh my gosh. You can see everything and you can see everything around you, but everybody can always see you. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're the center of attention, even if you don't want to be. And that is why part of my personality has such kindness in it, because usually the big guys can end up being intimidating. Mm -hmm. A lot of big guys can come off as being real jerks. And so by leading with kindness and leading with my, my gentle smile, if I have one, and just this, this look of, I want to connect with you in a lovely way, as opposed to a threatening way. I think that's what gets me through being a, a this huge, huge burly bear that is actually very much a little puppy. So to which, to which my queen says I make little puppy noises during scenes. So there ooh. you go. <laughs> but you know, um, I had a, uh, a conversation with Lindsay Goldwert. She's this financial journalist who wrote a fantastic book that looked to, to dominatrixes for lessons on how women, and I suppose men can kind of boost their personal and professional power and what she said about the interview with you was as follows this interview was one of my absolute favorites i so appreciated being able to put aside the shock value of the book and just talk about the themes of kindness and confident communication with someone who really cared about these things on the surface the book is about bdsm but really it was about recognizing how we change over time and how we can make peace with our evolving selves. I really felt it was a conversation between two searching people instead of just a podcast or Q&A. So clearly it was that, that sort of gentle inquisitiveness that spoke to Lindsay. And, um, but I, I think what's also neat about 
the fact that that you had the conversation with Lindsay is that you're 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 casting a broad net. I mean, obviously, you're you're a bit of a fanboy where it comes to to dominatrixes and 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 saucy women, but um, but you don't constrain yourself. I mean, uh, let's face it, I have. Uh, you had me on to talk politics <laughs> with Tara Indiana. Okay, so she's a dominatrix. Um, but um, you've had a couple of guys on who, who've discussed the masculine experience and also, um, you know, journalists and therapists. And um, how, how do you pick your guests? <laughs> People who fascinate me. That's very much what it is people who fascinate me i'll find them on social media a lot there are so many people that i have asked that haven't said yes that it wouldn't surprise you because booking a podcast is a lot like uh baseball batting average if you're lucky about a third of the time it'll work I mean, you got to fill the funnel. It's a sales puzzle. Right. So you just, you know, but man, what a grind. I mean, I, that means you have to ask three people for everyone mm -hmm. that says yes. So that's. I'd like to ask more people in the performing world. Mm -hmm. I mean, Margaret Cho has actually said that she'd be interested in coming on the show when she has the opportunity. And I need to follow back up on that. Right. I, and she's fascinating. I mean, she had a stint as a dominatrix herself. She's out as a former social worker, mm -hmm. uh, as former sex worker. Yeah. And I mean, and she's brilliant. I um, have an invitation out to a pro wrestler who broke ground by what she did in the industry. And that story to me is so fascinating. And as soon as their schedule settles down a little bit. I've been told that that one's going to happen because she personally asked that it happen. Cool. I, uh, my bucket list includes uh, a lot of people who facilitate others into being able to see what our world is all about. I have had and I'm just going to say on the podcast and if anybody knows her and can reach out and say John's a good guy. One of the people that's been on my bucket list has been Olivia Troy, who was the intimacy coordinator for the show bonding. Yeah. She does billions. I, I worked mm -hmm. as an extra um, in the BDSM scene in the first season of billions and she was the um, BDSM expert that episode. Mm -hmm. I. I, I didn't know who she was, but there was this very capable black woman um, kind of making sure our costumes are right and, and, you know, telling us how to sort of move around the floor. And um, years later, I connected the dots. I mean, there, there, there are not that many African-American women working as intimacy coordinators, so it wasn't that difficult. But I mean, what, what, a, what a, a unique expertise. And let me tell you, she changed bonding in ways that were very effective and very, very fun. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's a story that, that should draw smartly from, from the BDSM world. And it, it just, it's, it was, um, it didn't have a big budget the first season and it was a little light, but they changed it. And the mm -hmm. second season was so much better. 
thanks and, to Olivia and open-minded writers. And I would love to be able to have the conversation with her to discuss not only what it was like working within the Hollywood framework there, but also how she's able to work with people who aren't necessarily into BDSM and help them enjoy the process. Yeah. Because I think once you pull this mystery curtain back on BDSM and people can understand the different aspects of it, that it's not all about whips and chains. It's very much about the connection two people can have. Mm -hmm. It's about the connection of physical pain and mental pain and how one can help take the place of the other. It's so much about the need for structure or power in some people's lives where they need that to be able to survive. It's not, most of the time, it's not about getting off. Mm -hmm. It's about getting on with a life that you want to live. And people will be surprised when I say, most of my personal kink has nothing to do with sex. It has everything to do with the moment. Mm -hmm. I am so addicted to being in a moment. And well, I, use the, I use the U2 lyric, I love being in a moment I can't get out of. Well, sometimes it takes these sort of intense kind of outrageous constructs to sort of turn off your head, to just enjoy being in your body and to exalt in, in whatever's going on with your, with your companion. And unfortunately for us, it's, it's, sometimes it's really hard to switch off the brain. And, um, you know, uh, thank goodness there are ways of accomplishing <laughs> that. Um, it's, it's interesting that you, you, you talk about the sort of the role of education. And um, I, I, I had an exchange with Bossy Butterfly who had a slightly different take, um, which is that um, conversations with you highlight the role of continuing education within the kink community. So it's not just teaching outsiders how to do things or why we do things. It's, it's about um, explaining unusual fetishes within ourselves, but also um, communicating. And, and so this is what she had to say. One of the profound things that spending time with John as a guest on what women want is the scope of the need for continued education for the kink community. John pointed out how though people have provided all the information needed to interact with others, they continue to really act as if they have never been given any instruction in interpersonal communication. He highlighted the repeated incidents of similar situations and had me provide insight for people on how to be more successful. After the show, I had several people reach out wanting suggestions on how to be better in their communication. It's this kind of reaction to John I find really telling about how people are touched by the topics John presents. Let's face it, everybody thinks it's easy to talk, it's easy to communicate, but it's it's a it's a cycle. You you say something, the person receives the message, you have to make sure they got it. You have to make sure that that the message received was the one you intended. I mean, it's it's a whole feedback loop of communication. And you know, we can 
throw in our own beliefs and often they're wrong. Um, it's, uh, it's tricky. What do you see as you're talking to all these people? How do you make sure you're, you're on the same page? There is a secret rep recipe to my show and it's not very secret. It actually <laughs> belongs to Larry King. Larry King used to do a four hour overnight radio show on the mutual broadcasting system. It would start at 11 o'clock at night and go until three in the morning. Larry would have on guests from all walks of life and also talk to the callers as well. Larry would say when booking a guest, who are they? Why are they here? That was the entire amount of research that he did on any particular guest. Wow. I have a notebook here on my desk that I do the podcast with. It actually has the cover that says life is, isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Mm -hmm. Jane, can you show me what's in that Notebook. I I see an empty book, empty pages. Yeah, that that one fills as one creates. I'm guessing. I base every one of my questions off the curiosity that is sparked by the previous answer. Interesting. If yeah. I have a direction I want to go in, I might write a post-it note saying, "Remember to talk about." their book because if they have a book coming out obviously they want to talk about their book yeah we authors really love like talking about our books too it's like the most seductive thing you can do is like tell me about your book but my joy is talking about your inspiration for the book what your mindset was while reading while writing the book what feelings you had during certain parts of the book that made you connect with that character to be able to bring that character to life. Right. It's not about the words in the book. So true. You know, Lexi Silver had some comments along these lines. And she said she wanted me to tell John that she had an excellent time <laughs> popping his podcasting cherry and being his first. You always remember your first. Mm -hmm. His open-mindedness, intriguing questions, and easygoing interview style made our podcast fun and conversational and enabled the space in which I could easily bear myself to all. And that's the power of the follow-up question, isn't it? It is indeed. It is being able to get that glimmer of an idea when somebody answers a question the thing that they didn't even realize they said mm -hmm. and making that the focus. And it's not something I was taught. It's something that I was born with because I've always been a curious kid, especially when it comes to people's stories. So do you think seduction is part of interviewing? Wow, I don't consider myself a seductive person in my dating life. But a good interview is like <laughs> fucking. A good interview is like um, fucking. 
I will take your word for that. <laughs> I mean, like, um, like, like this isn't as messy, but there's an interplay. <laughs> there's, um, there's the warm up, the preliminaries. Mm -hmm. There's the interview equivalent of foreplay, and yeah. then there's the when you get to the meet where you make somebody cry, maybe, mm -hmm. and then, um, and then the the, there, huh, the smoking the cigarette at the end. Put to put it another way, it is a wave. Mm -hmm. And I used to use what I would call energy waves when I used to run game presentation, meaning the show around a football or a basketball game. I used to run energy waves. And this is, I need to bring them to a crescendo here. I need to let them breathe here. I need to bring their energy up here. And then I can let them breathe a little bit more here. And then I'm going to take this moment when they're down and most calm and then try to bring them up to a crescendo when I know the team will need it the most. And then I will let it play from there. Ooh. If you had all highs, you can never catch your breath. If you have all lows, obviously it'll be boring. But it's that wave and that beautiful flow that creates great interviews. And I've just had that in the back of my mind when I do it. If you think about two things, Jane, every story is made up of seven sentences. Once upon a time and every day until one day, because of this, because of this, until finally, and the reason why is. Right. That's sort of the hero's journey, the arc of the exactly movies act one here's the scene and what's happening act two we get into the meat of it until you bring them to the top of act three and, and you're going you, what the hell's gonna happen and then you have to like bloody them a little mm -hmm. uh, before you let them succeed right and so what i'm talking about with these waves is the exact same thing as when you tell a story I am allowing somebody else to tell their story, but I want to bring up these certain things that are just so amazing, but then also give them a chance to talk about something intimate that will become amazing. As was written on the wall of a radio station back in Seattle. What are you, what are people talking about today? What will you make them talk about tomorrow? Yes. That's a great challenge. So you've talked in the context of this What's Women and Other People, Wonderful People Want podcast to what, 70 subjects now? Yeah, 80? it's 73. Get on, let's see if you count our, our biggest show ever last week with the five guests that we right. had on all of You the have to include time. all of them. They're, yeah, they're, they're I individuals. Think it's, I think it's at 78. So we're pushing 80. Um, that's a lot of people. Um, and I'm in love with every single one of them. Let's just face it. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a very poly approach. You're, you're, you're a bit of an interview slut, aren't you? Well, I've been told by Nookie that interviewing is my love language. Ah, uh, so this mass of humanity that's, that's crossed your zoom screen, um, what, what's been the most surprising thing that you've learned as a consequence of all of these conversations? Is there any, any light bulb moments for you that you've gone, holy shit, 
cool. That even the most confident, powerful, dynamic people still have a soft side and that's what makes them. And, and isn't, isn't it great to be reminded of that? I mean, I think we know that intellectually, but to, to sort of encounter that conversationally and have somebody open up about their insecurities, it's, it's powerful stuff. I mean, when I have talked to some dominatrices, is that the proper English? When I've talked to some dominatrices or dominatrixes, I think it I depends hear, if you're French or English. Dominatrice en français. Mais oui. <laughs> and that's about all the French I know. Uh, when you talk to ones who identify as dominatrix, their job is to take you to a place where you feel as though they are in total charge. Mm -hmm. When you talk to the human behind that person, they have their own insecurities and their mm -hmm. own things that they want to have as part of their life and to be mm -hmm. able to connect with. Well, when you I, say that, I can't help but think of Mistress Eva O. I mean, she's this extraordinary beauty. She's She's got this presence. I had the pleasure of, of spending time with her here in New York um, earlier this summer. And, and she's She's riveting. Um, and you could just imagine what it would be like to, to submit to somebody with that kind of presence and that kind of personal power. But she's a real lady and she's willing to be vulnerable. She's willing to be open. And she had some great things to say about your podcast. Here I am. I'm like, I'm like the, 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 the ultimate uh, promoter of all of these wonderful <laughs> people, but um, I was I was really touched by her comments, um, so I'm going to share them with you. Hi, this is Eva O, and I just want to say congratulations, John, on your anniversary for the What Women Want podcast. I loved being interviewed by you. You are so intuitive, you pick up on so many things, and you're so inquisitive and so aware of so many aspects of King and me, and it was just wonderful to be able to chat to you, to somebody so engaged, and I really appreciate it and what you're doing for us by promoting our voices. Thank you so much, and happy anniversary. And I love the fact that Eva and I bonded over cat suits because she was very interested in my description of what wearing a cat suit is like. And she said, I have never felt it that way. And you now have me thinking that way. She is a student of fetish and she thinks about this stuff very deeply and, and it's deep within her core, but she's got such an open mind and such a curiosity. And, 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 oh my God, she's hot. There's just no way <laughs> to get around that. Um, and, and she's fun. And um, I got to say, you get the best guests. I was looking <laughs> at who you've got coming up for season two, and you've got people whom I adore. Um, personal favorites, Sarah Valmont and Angie Roundtree. These are women who produce porn for women. Um, Sarah writes it, Angie makes it. 
the stuff is high quality and hot. And I can't wait to learn what you have to say to these ladies. Mistress Alicia has a fantastic book coming out called Yes, Mistress. I had the privilege of reading the galleys. She has thought very deeply about male submission and female dominance. And the book is fantastic. And it's, it's gonna be a really fascinating conversation. Lucy Sleepkill, Kate Sloan, all of these are women at the leading edge of thinking about power and sex and that delicious intersection of the two. I love your taste in ladies. What can I say? <laughs> I just wish, and I'm just being honest and saying this, I just wish there was a way I could meet more of them. Well, you're going to be I mean, at this for actually, a while, so... Yeah, to actually have a sit-down conversation over, in my case, a soda, in their case, a beautiful bottle of wine or something, to be able to look them in the eyes and be able to connect with them on that level, to be able to have a lovely conversation with them. Yeah. I am so fascinated by so many of these people. I think... In this day and age, when you have some podcasters, and I'm being totally honest when I say this, when you have some male podcasters who have one hand on the microphone and the other hand down their pants, <laughs> that That's you can generous. tell it. I you think they have two it, hands down their pants. Maybe if they have a microphone stand. But to me, giving these guests the utmost respect at all times is paramount for me. Yeah. Well, you don't want to get a I reputation would... for being creepy. Exactly. And, and by the and... way, asking good questions requires blood in your brain. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you have to make sure the blood is in the right place. And for most of them, I just want to give them a nice hug because I'm a hugger. Would I like to have scenes with some of them? I think Casey Carter would tell you I would want to have a scene with her. And she has told me that she wants to have a scene with me. I just think that's kind of a given. Um, you could like rub each other in your cat suits right. and see what happens. Well, Look for friction could, burns, kids. That could be very interesting. But to be able to, in honesty, put eyes on a Vicky DeVica or a Master Trinity or an Eva, Eva O when they're wearing their cat suits, that would be like a dream come true. Right. Is it something that's going to get me off? No. Is it something that is going to fill my mind with the wonder that they want to portray when they wear those cat suits? Absolutely, yes. And people can go back and say, there's no way that there's a guy that's possibly like that, but I'm here to tell you that's who I am and that's who I've always been. I'm the guy who had the sweet and innocent ribbon at a kink convention and my friend said, he is the only one that can actually wear that here. Well, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, who knows what's gonna happen? And you know, once we get a little bit further beyond pandemic to endemic, the world could be our oyster. So you may see some cat suits in your future. Is there anything else you're looking forward to in the season, season two? 
I have one guest I can't announce, but it is pretty much the ultimate fetish model that everybody pictures as the ultimate fetish model. Okay, so we know she's going to be amazing. I'm assuming it's a she. What are you going to be wearing when you interview her? I'll probably just be wearing regular clothes. I don't usually wear a cat suit when I do my podcast. The first time I was, I ever did was when Christina Carter, Nisa Nevers, and Adara Jordan all said, we want to see you in your cat suit. We've heard about this. And I had to go change into it before we finished the podcast. Did you blush? Was this uh, the yes, time you I blushed? Did. Yes, I did. Uh, I don't normally wear my cat suits, but recently I've been wearing them, A, because of doing my workouts, and B, they provide a compression and a hug that when I am emotionally fragile, yeah. it allows me to feel like I'm hugged because I live by myself. And so I sometimes need to have a certain amount of safety to me. Yeah. And it gives me an amount of safety that I can't get from a lot of things. It's At that point, it's not about the fetish. It's literally about the sensation and feeling and feeling warm and safe. Well, my feeling is if, if that's all it takes and then putting on the cat suit, if, if only that worked for more people, because, <laughs> you know, it, it's better than booze. It's better than tranquilizers. It's it's just a cute little piece of cute little garment. I find it interesting that somebody in the vanilla world is actually marketing what is essentially a mummy bag or a sleep sack from kink and making it as a stress reliever. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, Who let's knew? face it, the, the, the early vibrators were, you know, marketed as, uh, you know, all sorts Back of crazy massagers, things. Yes. Yeah. But also like hysteria addressers. I mean, they, <laughs> there, was, there was like a quackery has many faces and, um, um, you know, why not a stress reducer? Yeah. And I'll mention something about cat suits. I call them the great sensation amplifier. Because if you ever wear one, especially in latex, and I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to enjoy that, I'm trying to get down to a fighting weight of 225 pounds, and then yes. I'm going to order one. If, if you all want to get together and order me one, that's <laughs> fine too. But I'm just, uh, I'll throw that out there anyway. I'm just totally That's right. Kidding. Okay. No, get I'm on not. call, yes, get I on am. the phone no, with Libidex and see what they've got, <laughs> right? But what color, what color of latex would you want? I'd love purple. I mean, Batgirl purple is my color and it's my queen's favorite color too. So absolutely uh, purple. Black would be fine too, but purple would be amazing. Purple. I, I think black is a little overdone. I like purple. <laughs> I think I think that's the right choice. Are we talking like a bright, bright, bright purple or like a muted dark purple? A bright purple. Let's see. Uh, like I'm pointing oh, at Christina oh. Carter's purple here. It's and the amethyst, O-girl, like a yeah, rich O-girl Batgirl purple is what I call it. For those of you who are wondering what the spandex and the, and the cat suit fetish is all about, if you were to ever put one on or put a sleeve on and simply take your finger and just allow it to caress right up there, you'll notice that there's about 33% more space to each side that feels caressed. So it feels like this amplifier of <laughs> sensations. I love how you've brought math into it. That that yes. makes me that gives me a little a little chill. Or as the Brits call them math. I love when they <laughs> call them math. 
<laughs> Here's Dan and Dawn from the Erotic Awakening podcast. Dawn, about a year ago, Hi There Catsuit came to us and told us he was going to start a podcast. And we kind of said, okay, that's fun. But everybody's starting a podcast nowadays. Well, as it happens, I don't know if you're aware of this, but he has made it through an entire year of producing great shows. Woohoo! <laughs> so we just want to take a moment to shout out and congratulate Hi There Cat Suits and everybody that makes the fantastic What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want podcast happen. Congratulations! Congratulations! Hi, this is Nookie, founder of Dating Kinky. I wanted to pop in and say what a pleasure it's been working with Catsuit for his first season and how much I and the other folks at Dating Kinky are looking forward to the next season of amazing people and insights on what women and other wonderful humans want. Hey, Catsuit. Just want to say congratulations. See you here. Congratulations, Catsuit. This is Celine. Hi, this is Ryan, a.k.a. Castaway, uh, the producer slash Guy Friday at Dating Kinky. I wanted to extend congratulations to John, a.k.a. Catsuit, on embarking on the second season of his wonderful podcast, uh, What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Hi, it's Bettina. Congratulations, Catsuit. And now, let's get back to our anniversary show. Here again is special guest host, Jane Boone. Well, this was wonderful. I'm, I'm just so excited that you're doing a second season. I so enjoyed being part of your first. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's exciting that, that you've, you're building this, this, this thing that, that people are connecting with and, um, and that you're finding such fascinating and consequential guests. I mean, uh, it's, but man, so much work. Hats off to you, Catsuit. Because it's a grind, um, but it, it also must be a pleasure at times, because I certainly enjoyed talking to you this evening. And so that must be the perk, right? The, the moments where you actually, you know, are, are looking at the person and, mm -hmm. and engaged with them. It's been a labor of love. It has been a lot of hard work. There are some times when I go, oh, gosh, I have to edit a podcast. Yes. But when the final product comes out, when I do a rebranding like I just did for season two, where it looks totally different and more vibrant. This has been, I like it. Yeah, this has been my creative outlet mm -hmm. because I was a creative professional for 35 years. Yeah. And when you take that away from somebody, you have to figure out a way to continue it. And this has been my journey into staying creative. The interview part is my fascination with this world that we live in and my ability to help people bring their stories to life. To the guests that have been on my show, I can't thank you enough for sharing your stories with me. I hope that my time with you, uh, that your time with me has felt like it was number one worth it. And number two, brought you something to your life that made you feel a little bit better by being interviewed by me. To the people who have listened, I just want to say thank you. I don't know how many there are out there. I see numbers, but I also 
don't know if one person is listening or if a thousand people are listening or even more than that, but I will always put the same amount of work into something that I think one person is listening to because you can only reach one person at a time. And if you try to think about being viral or reaching thousands, you'll never get there because this is a one-to-one to one medium. And we can't ever forget that. Right. Well, I think the consistent response I've had from people who've been fellow guests is that, you know, from the moment they start the conversation with you, there's a sense that, that you are there, you are present, you are engaged with them. And that, that there's that, that interplay that, that makes the conversation exciting because you never quite know where it's going to go. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's, it's kind of fun. It's a bit like a BDSM scene. It's like, Ooh, <laughs> what's going to happen next. And, um, certainly as a listener, that's something I, I appreciate. So, um, congratulations on this, um, significant accomplishment one year and let's face it, it's a lot of work to build something like this, but, um, you've, you've, you've touched a lot of people, um, and, uh, you've, you've, brought a lot of enjoyment to a lot of people as well, including me. So thank you so much, John. I can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you, Jane. And as always, in closing for me, I'll let you close the show because you're the host. But I always remind our audience to always remember consent and to love each other always. I think that just about sums it up. You know, consent, adoration, I'm all in. Thank you so much and uh, good luck with the next, the next year or the next decade. Who knows? Thank you, Jane. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.